You're listening to the New City Church Podcast. These episodes are recorded live on Gadigal land. Sometimes the audio quality might not be perfect because what you're listening to is a conversation. We don't edit out the chatter. We think that's what makes it authentic. Wherever you're tuning in from, we hope you find this episode encouraging. As Becky said, it's been a heavy few weeks, hasn't it? Um, we, we've tried to keep it, um, I hate to use this word, but I'm going to, clinical. Um, tried to keep it clinical in the way we've spoken about trauma, just to uh, give people that space to think things through a little bit. Sometimes we need to just you know, remove emotion for a moment. Emotions are super important. But sometimes we need to remove them for a moment just so we can get a bit of a, a head around some of the theories, concepts that we're talking about. Um, but tonight, um, we're turning a bit of a corner, and I hope it's practical for you. I hope it's grounded. I hope it's interesting. Um, I guess one of the things that we should be asking when we come to something like this is, why are we doing it? Um, Jesus has these beautiful words when he's speaking to a bunch of really hurt people. And he says to me, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Let me just repeat that again. Um, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Um, show of hands, who here knows what it feels like to be weary or burdened? You! Um, uh, Jesus is saying, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I hazard a guess that if I were to say, hands up, don't do this, but hands up if right now you're feeling weary and burdened, I tend to think we'd get a fair smattering of hands. And Jesus is saying, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Learn from me, says Jesus, for I am gentle and humble of heart. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, there's a great irony that's happened somewhere in the course of the past 2,000 years where church so often is not a place of rest. Now, a lot of you will have had time spent in churches. Some of you, you're quite fresh to church, but a little heads up for those who are newish. Church typically is a bit of a factory that makes you work. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but you walk in and you're like, yeah, I, I know how to strum guitar. And they're like, great, here's one. And they're, they're, all of a sudden you're up here and like, Yen only started yesterday. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, uh, it, it's a sort of place where you walk in and as soon as they know that you've got a bit of a skill, they're like, okay, you're on, you're hired, volunteer. Um, no, you're not getting paid. Um, and and it, it comes from, I think, a passion. I think it genuinely comes from a place of love. I think it genuinely comes from a place of excitement about some really beautiful things but the net result is so often that church is not a place of rest. It's not a place where we can learn from somebody like Jesus who is gentle, who is humble. We have since, I'd, I don't know, I'd say maybe the 80s, maybe it was before that, but I think most historians who look at church movements 
they look at this trend since the 80s of the CEO pastor or the pastor as CEO. And that is people looked at the church, uh, this, this huge global organization, and they said it kind of looks like a business. So how do we run businesses well? Well, we know that in order to run a business efficiently, you need a good hierarchy. Trigger warning. Um, in order to run a business well, uh, you need somebody who is at the top, who has command, steering the ship. Uh, and so for a long time, we've thought about churches as these business places. Now, when you think about church as business, all sorts of things go wrong. One is it becomes transactional. I'm here to get what I can out of it. And as soon as I'm not getting that, bye. Um, it becomes consumerist. Uh, I think, though, most terrifyingly for me and for I know many in this room, it becomes a place where power can be abused really easily. It's not a place at that point where you could say, the leaders are following the type of Jesus who is gentle or humble. Uh, we have some slides for tonight. You. Um, the next slide is uh, the one after that. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, this one is New City Church's vision. Um, this is, it, it, it was formed throughout months of praying and sitting with the board, the original board of New City Church, to say, what is it that we need as board members? What is it that we need in order to exist in a space that is safe, that is a place of rest? And this is what we came up with. Um, New City Church exists that all might find refuge and life in Jesus. The Bible is replete with these huge promises, like those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. For a long time, I didn't feel like I was soaring. Felt like I was falling, like seriously plummeting people. Like I was going down and I was like, no, no, I'm hoping in the Lord to renew my strength. Um, and all along, I'm just like spiraling, spiraling, waiting for this updraft to hit me. And uh, the metaphor wasn't working for me. I think I was in a church that had lost what it means to be a follower of Jesus. What it means to be seeking refuge and life, to come to Jesus weary and broken and discover rest. My hope and my prayer for New City Church is that this would be the kind of place where people come and the technical word we've been using since we started is flomp. Where people can come, I think it's an onomatopoeia, um, uh, where you can just land and relax. And the weariness of the world can be lifted a little. The turbulence of life can be stabilized, maybe just a touch. And together, um, and that's really key, together we start creating a new story, which is full of hope.
which is full of uh, images of the true new city, healing for the nations. That's, that's the, the hope and the prayer. I like that. Hey, I'm saying it out loud. I'm like, oh, that's good. Um, that's a, that's a, that's, I want to go to this church now. Um, I think it's, it's really hard to do, though. It's complex, isn't it? Um, because we said this in, in week one, um, the people next to you, they're going to hurt you. Um, they're not going to do it intentionally. Like, they're not sitting there with knives, like, ready to go. But they're, they're, there's going to be pain along the journey. And so the way that we do it has to be really measured. It has to be thought through because uh, we, we know that saying, hurt people hurt people. And the, the, the inverse is also true. Healed people heal people. But we, we know that in a, a space like ours, New City Church in particular, uh, actually most church plants, not that we're a church plant anymore, we're a church, um, you, uh, most new churches, they, uh, they attract people who've been hurt. Um, that's, that's just a, a fact of life. And New City Church in particular, we have set out to attract people who've been hurt. And so we have said from the outset, we need to do it slowly, we need to do it cautiously, and we need to do it in a way that is trauma-informed. And this series is trying to capture everything that we've just said up to this point, distill it to some practices so that we, as I said, we're all doing it together. It's not just the pastoral team who have this trigger-happy term, trauma-informed. It genuinely filters down into everything that we do. So, sorry if we go back a slide, Nick. This one. Um, week one, we looked at what is trauma. Uh, we recognize that trauma is a, it's a physical response to past experiences, and the bastard just hangs around. It just keeps popping up. We looked at the Bible and trauma, and we saw that so much of the Bible was written in response to trauma. So much of the Bible is written in response to trauma. Uh, so you think of that phrase that I said earlier, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Jesus wouldn't have needed to say that if there was no one in front of him who was not weary and burdened. Jesus knew it. And so he spoke those words. And we looked at some principles of healing. You can go back and listen to the podcast if you, if you want to touch base with these. Last, so two weeks ago, we looked at the brain and trauma, the body and trauma, and a few practices of healing um, around using our body for being safe in a space, for feeling like we can actually exist comfortably. And then I got really sick. And so last week, um, I spoke, and I probably shouldn't have, let's be honest, because it really knocked me around. Um, uh, last week, we looked at just one of those three, the power of connection. Um, and I spoke about a compass of connection four ways, connecting to ourselves with our own values and our own bodily sensations, how important that is after years of being told that the body is evil or unhealthy or sinful, but actually saying, no, you need to listen to your body. So first compass point, connecting to self, connecting to nature, the joy of dopamine hits when you look at a dog, uh, connecting to one another, community and how important that is, and finally connecting to the divine, um, connecting to spirituality in a way that is meaningful for you. 
the importance of that. So this week, um, we're going to drill down a little bit and say, okay, what does psychological safety look like? I don't, most people don't think about psychological safety, but I, like, I, just, I just love it. I think it's a good concept. Um, and then we're going to briefly touch on uh, and wrap up everything by talking about how we create new stories. That's where we're heading. That's where we're heading. Um, I've got a bunch of words that all start with R, just to make life simple. And this is taken largely from the work of um, uh, Dr. Bruce Perry in the States. If you come across his work, some brilliant stuff around child developmental trauma and healing. Um, so I've taken that, kind of woven it in with my research to say, what does it look like in a faith space? Um, and kind of yeah, come up with more R words, essentially. So we're going to go through six. There's six. And at the end, I'm going to invite you to sit and think about what is it that... Uh, that you want to implement, which of these R's do you feel like you need at this point? That's where we're heading. Wonderful. Next slide. The first R. Psychological safety. Our physical spaces engage the parasympathetic nervous system. The first R when it comes to psychological safety, being in a space where you feel safe, is that you are relaxed. You are relaxed. Take a moment to think about at least one thing that we do at New City Church that helps you relax. The couches are wonderful, but sometimes you fall asleep and I'm like, come on, I'm talking. Um, the couches might help you relax. Tea and coffee can help you relax. Knowing that there are gender neutral bathrooms can just help you relax. We try and get the temperature right so you can come in and write. It's, it's cold in that corner, but too hot in this corner tonight. I'm gonna, not going to lie. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, there, there's something about healing and psychological safety where it's important for physically you to be comfortable, you to be able to relax. We often, and Becky's done it tonight, will say as we go, da -da 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 -da, as we're taking some deep breaths, and we just keep going. Uh, weaving that into some of our patterns is really important. The reason that, and I've, I've said this before, but the reason why taking deep breaths is important has this huge history in Eastern religions and philosophy. And in the last 10 or so years, neuroscientists have discovered, dare I say, that breathing deeply helps you to relax, it engages your parasympathetic nervous system, and they've just like co-opted this huge body of evidence from Eastern religions, Eastern philosophies, and they've said, guys, look what we've worked out. Um, nothing original. Um, but turning to some of those ideas has, has infiltrated, made its way into society, often through yoga uh, or th those sorts of paths, and we can benefit from it so much. We benefit from it because we know that particularly when we exhale slower than our inhales, we know that that engages our parasympathetic nervous system. It helps us to just be calm. So what we want in New City Church or what you should be striving for, if you are striving for psychological safety, trauma-informed care in your home, in your workplace, when you have guests over, in your own bedroom when you're just at home sleeping. We're looking for places where your body can be relaxed. It doesn't sound particularly complex, does it? 
because it's not, but we often just forget it, hey. So I wanted to start with that because it's necessary. The next one, repetitive. Our rituals and gatherings are predictable and patterned. We could have done with a bunch of P words as well, but I went with R. Um, uh, repetitive feels dull, but it is so vital. Um, so, for example, we have a gathering every week at 4 p.m. That is guaranteed that if you rock up here at 4 p.m., there will be a bunch of people in this room ready for you. If you come in, you will know that there's going to be tea and coffee for you because we do the same thing every week. You will know at least a bunch of faces in here because we're always here. And so there's this pattern that builds up over time. We have rituals that we develop. And as we go through, we'll, we'll develop more. And they become predictable. There's a bit of a trend within new church plants to throw things up and say, no, let's meet, let's meet every time that somebody sends out a message, we'll just go meet somewhere. And that is a gathering of church. And it's true. It's really beautiful. But it's not predictable. It's not patterned. It's not routine. It's not regular. And when it comes to trauma-informed care, it's really important that people know what's coming, that people can see what's happening around the corner and they can brace themselves if necessary. Whenever we're out of routine at New City Church, so for example, we're doing a worship night, we will say to everyone weeks in advance, ah, in three weeks' time, we're having a worship night. If worship's hard for you, don't come. Um, if we're going to uh, have a, a Sunday that looks different, so for example, we're doing a series on trauma, we email it out to everyone and we put it up on Facebook and we say, we're doing this series at the moment. Next week looks a bit different. We're, looking at, we're doing a birthday party. So we've been telling everyone for a long time, the routine's a little bit out of whack. Prep yourself. Because we just want to build in those rhythms of predictability. Now I'm going to uh, turn around a little one and put it on you. Uh, and this, this is one that I always struggle with. And I would love to hear your thoughts at the end of tonight. Um, I never want church to be something that you feel like you're forced or obliged to rock up to. Never. I never, ever want that. The, the flip side is that I want people to feel like when they rock up here, it's predictable enough that they see the same faces when they come. And so when we have a church where the majority of people only come once a month, it becomes complicated. Not that that's where our church is at at all. But if, if we were to get to that point, it makes church unpredictable because every time you rock up, there's 30 new faces in the room. And I know that some people have experienced that at churches. And I know for a while we had that in our church. And it made it just complicated for people because going in was no longer a safe place in terms of predictability. So I just want to throw that out there and say, I don't have the answer because we're balancing this really fine thing where if you get to a Sunday and you're like, I just can't come at church, then I'm going to say, don't come to church. But if you're kind of tossing it up and being like, I could or I couldn't, it's rainy, da, 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 I'm going to say, it's really healthy for other people if you can be there. 
That doesn't put any onus or burden on you. You're not the savior. You're not the one who has to fix people, but it's just a gift that you can give. So I'm just going to throw that one in the pot and say, please think about that one. Um, Relaxing and repetitive. The next R, responsive. We listen to the needs and desires of the people around us. People have voice and agency. Uh, Gosh, this is important. Uh, We listen to the needs of the people around us. People have voice and agency. There's a huge body within psychology that actually says psychological safety and voice are the same thing. Uh, It says if you don't have voice in any given moment, it is impossible to have psychological safety. What does that look like? Um, We did a series a little while ago on the core beliefs of New City Church. And and, And as we were leading up to it, a lot of people were really quite nervous because a lot of people in this space don't believe the core beliefs of New City Church. Wild, I know, wild. Um, And so it makes people second guess, can I belong here if what's written up in that statement of affirmations doesn't sit neatly with what I think or believe or sit with or I'm wrestling with? Um, And one of the things that we did throughout that statement of belief series was we prefaced everything by saying the pastors disagree with one another. Uh, the, The board disagree with each other on a whole bunch of things. You don't have to believe the same thing as us in order to exist in this space. In fact, you can believe wild heresies. Use the word. <laughs> um, you can believe whatever it is that you feel like you need to believe at this point with integrity and bring that to the table. That makes church complex, but it's also one of our biggest strengths because we know that when we challenge one another, when we sit and gently share difference, it sharpens us. It makes us vulnerable, and vulnerable is strong. It makes us question some of the assumptions that we might have had throughout our upbringing. And it actually brings God to life because you have insights into the Bible, into life, into the work of the Spirit that I don't have. You have perspectives that I cannot possibly have because of my experience. And so when you speak those perspectives, it makes me find Jesus in new ways. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. And for so many of us, we've come from traditions, spaces, denominations, churches, where difference is held at arm's length, where difference is squashed, where it's not celebrated. When it comes to voice, it's really important that you feel like you can speak. That doesn't mean you can steamroll. I think that goes without saying. But it does mean that you have a space where you can gently wrestle with ideas. Um, Another thing when it comes to responsive is that we want this space to be a space which firstly listens. And that means that when you are here, your job is not to tell everyone 
what you believe or tell everyone what you think, part of the gift that we have when we rock up together is to listen and hear where people are at and respond to their needs. Um, An interesting one came up this week. I was chatting to one of our community and they said, I feel like when I rock up to church, sometimes people just want to dump all their trauma on me and I'm not ready. I was like, oh, that's a really good example of us as a church not being as responsive as we need to. Trauma dumping ain't healthy. But this person said, I just really love church. I love rocking up. There's just this little thing that I feel like we could adapt and think differently. Sit with that. I don't know what that does for you. Um, but it's, it's a case of listening to other people and seeing where they're at. And I hope that as a community, we, we keep doing that well, being responsive to the needs of everyone in this space. Yeah? Let's keep going. Let's keep going. There's three more R's to go. Three more. The next one, rewarding. When we engage in church, we feel positive. Um, Not always the case, let's be honest. Um, Sometimes we come here, Thomas is sick tonight. Um, Church was kind of the last place that he wanted to be. Um, And I was like, but we need you to be on town. Um, Thank you, Thomas. (laughs) Um, But my hope is that whatever, uh, whatever... feeling you come into the gathering with, somewhere in that gathering, there is something that is meaningful for you. Uh, And I think for most people, that's not going to be in the formal spoken part of it. So often it's in the meet and greet and chill with people either here or at the pub time. That's the rewarding relational time where you're like, oh, I feel like I got something that I could either get out of church or I feel like I gave something to somebody tonight at church. And you get that little dopamine hit that says, oh, that's nice. When it comes to trauma healing more broadly, uh, so much of the research says if if you can put in habits that are rewarding, you're going to do yourself a big favor. Rewarding means uh, it feels satisfying. So you walk out of it feeling satisfied. Um, This is where all of the self-care literature comes into play. I have big question marks around the idea of self-care. I think uh, we've, we've self-cared to death and we need to kind of prop it up with community care that was never existing. Um, but there's something really rewarding about a bubble bath. You just got to admit it. And it's nice. And so having that is good. There's something rewarding about going to the pub with mates. Uh, there's something rewarding about doing something that you enjoy uh, this weekend. We were feeling a bit flat. We'd been putting it off for a while, but we just knew we needed something good. So we went out and bought a laptop and played Age of Empires for hours. <laughs> yes, we did. Um, uh, uh, it was wonderful. Um, and it was so, dare I use the word, I think it, th- there's some healing in that kind of thing where you can just sit and do something that you're just getting that dopamine hit. Don't get addicted to the screens, kids. But it feels good. So what we want to do, the ideal, is when... Healthy things match up with rewarding things. Healthy things match up with rewarding things. And whatever we can do to make those healthy things, thinking holistic health here, all those different domains of health, whatever we can do to make those holistic health domains match up with rewarding, we want to do those. And when it comes to church, we want to plonk them here. Yeah? 
Not too complicated. The next R, relevant. Our time together honors your journey and meets you where you're at. Uh, uh, If you come in here and you are exhausted, I hope that you won't find a place that is full of toxic positivity. Um, If you come in here and you are feeling joyful and full of hope, I hope that you don't come in here and get bombarded with a bunch of people who (laughs) have been traumatized. I hope that when you come, you at least match something in the room that fits with where you are at in life. And this ties in with that idea of being responsive. Uh, we, We listen as a community, we hear where you are at, and we tailor our conversations, we tailor our time at the pub, we tailor the music that we're gonna play so the community gets what is relevant to the community. Now, if we take this outside of the church, when we speak about relevance, we're often talking about cultural relevance. So in my space where I work with a lot of young First Nations kids, it's making sure that it's culturally relevant, culturally safe. Now, when we're talking about it in terms of church, we're talking about it in terms of, in this space, adults who've been through some heavy stuff. And so we want to make sure that everything that we do is relevant as much as possible. It's never going to be entirely relevant for everyone. We're starting a series in a couple of weeks' time on the book of Jonah. I love the book of Jonah. Um, it's, it's passionate, it's fast-moving, it's exciting, it's a bit of a thriller. I can tell you now, it's not going to be 100% relevant for everybody because it's all about Jonah fighting against God and running the other direction. That's not everyone's story. So you might sit here and be like, this, this one isn't quite sitting with me. That's okay. Hopefully there's something in that gathering that does hit the right notes. Does that make sense? Hope, I hope it's, it, we, we, we'll, let's keep powering on. There's one left. Relational. Um, this one should go without saying, but in so many churches and spaces, it just, it just doesn't. Um, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, says Jesus. Not try out this new philosophical idea. Um, It's not try these five steps to healing. It's come to me, and I will give you rest. Take this yoke. The idea of the yoke, many of you will know, is uh, it goes on a beast of burden, like an ox, in the days of Jesus, and it would plow the field, and it would tie the ox together, and they would work the field as one. And Jesus is saying, come to me, take this yoke that's tied to me, take it upon you as well, because we're in this together at this point, and I'm going to carry a whole lot of it, says Jesus. And it happens in the context of relationship with the one who's been there. That's that's what Jesus is offering. He's offering, and many of you will know this slogan and make of it what you will, not a religion to sign up to, but a relationship to be a part of. And I think there is a lot of truth in that, that the foundation of Christianity starts with a God who for eternity past, present, 
and for eternity future lives in constant relationship with God's self. The Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit loving the Son, the Son loving the Father, the Father loving the Son, the Son loving the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit loving the Father. There is something intrinsic to Christianity in particular that starts with relationship. It starts with love. If in church we lose the power of relationship, we don't just lose psychological safety, we lose the core of Christianity. And at that point, pack up, go home, don't call yourself church. We're here because God is relational. If God is relational and God is healing, relationships here are healing. That's what we're aiming for. And so uh, when we're in this space, we're aiming for more than just, how was your week? Slowly, over time, we're hoping that those relationships will evolve so that people can say, yeah, my week was hard. It was tough. And that can be met with something along the lines of, you comfortable to share more? And that feels normal. That's, 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 I think, where we're hopefully heading. And actually, I see that happening constantly in our community already. Uh, let, me, let me just turn this around and say, when it comes to relational matters, I think this church is so often doing really well. And that, that's on you. Like you have stepped up to the plate and said, if we're going to be this cushion where people can just land, let's build relationships. And that's, that's what I see happening constantly. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for doing the hard yards. I will be the first to say relationships are hard. They take time. They're messy. But they're worth it. And dare I say vital. So I, I just want to land it on that one. So if we go to the next slide, here's those six R's that we've been talking about. Trauma-informed church needs to be relaxing. Your body needs to be calm. It needs to be repetitive. By that we mean predictable. Uh, we need to know what's coming. It needs to be responsive so that if you're going through something, we're ready. It needs to be rewarding so that you can come in here and get a little bit of a dopamine hit. And it feels good because healthy, rewarding, when the Venn diagram overlaps, we're in the sweet spot. It needs to be relevant, at least in some part for you. And finally, it needs to be relational. I'm gonna invite you to take three deep breaths in your own time and look at those six and think, which of these six do I need to put in practice in my own life? That's one. And then the second question is, which of these six do I want to see happening more at New City Church at this point? That's question number two. Take three deep breaths in your own time and just ponder those questions before we come back.
invite you at the end of tonight, we all, we all go to the pub together. Um, if you're able to join us, I invite you to take a moment at some point in that time to say to somebody, which of those R's sat well for you? Uh, which do you think you're doing well? Or which one do you think you want to work more on? Start a conversation around that. Um, it might fall flat, I don't know, but see what happens. Um, if we go to the next slide, Nick. Um, creating new stories. Uh, for a long time, I sat in really conservative faith spaces where I was met with a God who I felt did not make me sore, as in sore on wings like eagles, not sore as in like, ouch. It was a God who was grand, don't get me wrong, um, it was a God who was big, but not a God who had me, not a God who held me, and certainly not a God who loved me just because. I love the image of the new city in Scripture. I love the image in Revelation 21 of a new Jerusalem coming out of the clouds and coming out of this new city is a river and lining this river are the trees of life and the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. I love this image of God being with God's people. I love this image of the nations discovering healing. Not, not you, not me, but everybody finding healing. I love this picture of peace breaking out. This is the image that we get, that we get to cast our minds for. And I, I think Christians, by and large, have lost the art of reimagining a better future. But the Bible is full of it. It's full of this hopeful language that says there's a better tomorrow. I am so excited in New City Church to be reimagining some of that future together. I'm so excited for this church to be a place which paints a picture of what the Australian church could be. For a long time when I was in those really conservative I, I would say harmful spaces, I tried to make change. And I know many people have done similar things. And eventually, we, we saw some really good change, I should, should say. We saw some really beautiful, positive things come out of that. But eventually, a few of us got together and we said, well, how about we just step away from these spaces that we've been in for a long time? And rather than trying to change them from the inside out, how about we just step a little to the side and create something new. And that's, that's how New City Church was born. I think that we are doing something more beautiful than most churches in Australia. I think there is something deeply appealing about it. I think there is something deeply beautiful about what's going on here. And the reason I say that is because I watch so many people come through these doors really hurt. Many of you are thinking, oh, yeah, me. And after weeks, months, sometimes longer, I see people's shoulders start to relax, and we see smiles come back, 
and we see people starting to re-engage with practices that once were beautiful but for so long have been painful. And they start to re-sing songs, maybe not maybe not actual songs, that might not be something that has ever brought them joy, but they start to re-engage with poetry or being in nature. They start to re-engage with one another. They start rocking up. They start volunteering. And, and before you know it, they're like, why am I at church again? And this journey has happened where they have created a new story. And I want to voice that. I want to say that's what's happening. That's what's happening in this space. That is my prayer is what's happening for, for you. I know it's not everybody's story, but my hope is that with time, we actually create these new stories together. And we're not just talking about our own stories at that point. As I said, we're doing something that I think the Australian church one day will look at and say, that's where we need to head. That's where we, a healthy church is a church that says difference is powerful. A healthy church is a church that says healing rather than business is essential. A healthy church is a church that says stories of safety are more important than stories of numbers. That's, that's where I hope and pray the culture of, of New City Church is heading. If we don't head that way, I will be devastated. But I think we're on track. I think we have some incredible voices in this space that are making that happen. That's the new story that I want to see, that I, that I think we're seeing, that I'm excited for. It's a story of great healing. Oh, I'm exhausted. I've been thinking about this series for a long time, and it's kind of come to the end, and I don't know how to feel. Um, <laughs> just like, I'm quite emotional. Um, I'm really proud of the work that this church is doing. I'm really proud of the, the people in this room and the energy that is surrounding this, this task. It's a big task, but we're far out. We're doing it, which is incredible. Um, thank you. Um, Next week, we get to celebrate our second birthday together. Um, you, uh, fun. Um, two years. That, that's not much time um, from where we started to where we are now. Um, next week, uh, Becky and Jess are going to share a little bit of their story and why they, they find New City Church a space that's been helpful for them. Um, and then once they've shared... We're going to open it up for you to uh, you to share if you'd like. Um, second birthday parties notoriously have speeches. I don't know. I've never been to a second birthday party, but um, I, I imagine speeches are important. And so think about it as that. Um, we want you to have thirty seconds a minute just to share a little bit of your journey with New City Church. Um, it doesn't have to be super positive. It doesn't have to be deep. It can just be something simple, spoken from the heart. So I want to put it out there and just get you thinking. If that is something that you would like to do, we would love to have the chance for speeches. Speeches! Next week. 
Um, with that, my hope and prayer is that next week will be a time of celebration. Um, I've invited my parents. So if there are people that you would like to invite who are important to you in your journey, that are supporting New City Church, perhaps either prayerfully or financially, whatever, whatever it is, I would invite you to invite them along um, because we want to celebrate uh, what, what this community is um, and who you are as part of this community. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Um, as a church, we are striving that all might find refuge and life in Jesus. That is a new story um, that we want to be a part of. Let's get excited. I'm going to pray. God, you said that those who hope in you would renew their strength. They would soar on wings like eagles. They would run and not grow weary. They would walk and not grow faint. God, for so many of us, a large portion of our church life has not been characterized by rest. It has not been characterized by soaring on the wings of eagles. Instead, it has been weariness. It has felt like fainting. God, we want to be a space that is full of life and hope, that is real about the hardship of the world, that listens to one another's stories and in that listening dreams up a future story that is better. God, may we be a church in which all would find refuge and life in Jesus, the one who brings life. God, as we wrap up this series on trauma, we remind ourselves again that you are the God of resurrection. You are the God of renewal. You are the God of recreation. And you are the God who is at the center of this church, breathing life into this space. We invite your spirit to guide us into everything we do the next two years and beyond. Amen. Oh,